0: Hello, and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss new ideas that can shape a sustainable food system from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert Agraf, and you can find us on Twitter at forum for ag These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we'd like to say a quick thank you to the FFA Founding Partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA Strategic Partners, Cargill, The Nature Conservancy, Rabobank, Thought for Food, and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to Food Systems, we've done a series of episodes on the issue of eating meat and its, epi- and its impact on people and the environment. So today I'm very pleased that we'll be going to be talking about one of the alternatives that's coming up. Uh, our guest today is Katharina Unger, she's the founder of Live in Studio and Live in Farms, both companies that specialize in edible insects and protein alternatives. She was one of the MIT Tech Review Innovators Under 30 for Europe. So it's a great pleasure to be joined today by Katharina Unger. Katharina, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Robert. Hi.
0: Hi. I wanted to sort of take it into two questions because your business seems to run along two lines, Uh, more the industrial application, the farm side of things, and the education and personal use. And to get started on the industrial farming side, would you consider that that growing insects for protein is it is it Would do you consider yourself a a farm and can you sort of sketch for our listeners what a full-scale farm-sized insect protein operation looks like in practice
1: Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. As you mentioned, we have two parts of the business. We started out in a very uh, consumer oriented uh, part of the way of of, of like making a product uh, with home farms for for growing insects in your home. Um, But since 2019, we're really focused on the industrial technologies uh, specifically. Whether this is a farm or a or a feed producing operation or whatsoever is always a little bit tricky. It always depends how you look at it. In fact, really a part of uh, of what we're doing uh, on site is a farming operation, so we are registered as a, as a farming business, um, and the other parts of the business are are feed or food producing parts of the business. And then a third part of it is the trading part of it. So, yeah, it always depends how you look at it. It's a very interdisciplinary uh, endeavor, as you can imagine. There's a multiple parts um, and multiple aspects playing into there that we have the, a really hands-on farming approach to things on the one hand. And we have to look into the details of like the biology of the insects and how that can... Play out in an industrial scale. On the other hand, and then there's a very technological aspect to it, like of how how can we actually make this work all together, and like how can we combine automation, uh, machinery, uh, insects, um, and the digestion of, of food waste, ideally, as a package together, um, to to provide an innovation for the for the food system. So it's a, yeah, it's a it's an exciting project to run. We are, um, right now I'm sitting uh, in, in our new site in Vienna, it's about 1,400 square meters, uh, where we're building our demonstrator of our plug-and-play uh, insect farming module here. So it's an industrial scale insect farming equipment that will enable um, customers from the food or feed industries or even the recycling industries to process their side streams. Uh, low value um, um, byproducts from their production processes, for example to to be eaten by uh, by insect larvae um, that transform it to much higher quality end product, which is uh, a protein meal, protein powder, fat, uh, and fertilizer
0: well this brings me sort of logically to the next question. I think people listening to this podcast. When they think of insects, they will think of of more sort of the the human consumption, the home consumption. Can you just briefly sketch for our listeners, what are the other applications for for these proteins and what kind of interest is there?
1: Yeah, of course. So, I mean, the lowest hanging fruit at the moment and what we're working on um, right now is really animal feed. Um, so of course, there's a huge potential in insect proteins being implemented in in, in human food applications. That's that's definitely uh, one of the major future ways to go. Right now, it is, um, as you can imagine, uh, a bit easier to serve. The, the pet food markets, so we're talking literally dog food and cat food um, as a protein ingredient, and the fish feed market. Um, so those are the two animal markets that are totally legal on a European level uh, to serve right now, and they're facing a major uh, protein shortage, especially so in Europe. Especially, we are only producing about 25% of of the proteins of the protein meals that are being used in animal feed locally. So, so uh, a huge part of of what we're feeding to animals here on the continent is actually imported from abroad, um, and it very often comes um, from the ocean. So, in fact, five tons of ocean fish is needed to produce one ton. Of fish meal that then goes into uh, into various animal feeding operations. Um, so it's a very wasteful system. We, in terms of land use, we use two thirds of the land worldwide just to grow feed for animals. So fixing the the issue of of animal feed is a very large problem to solve, um, and it's an it's a market that that is very welcoming to the idea of insects as a protein source. For the human food aspect, um, as as you can imagine, there are a bit more hurdles. This market is really growing as well. Uh, However, there are, of course, consumer acceptance hurdles that still need to be overcome. Um, And now we just, uh, in the middle of January, uh, we received notice from the European Union there is a first green light for mealworms for a particular type of insect to be approved and legal in Human food, um, so uh, yeah, diverging from the novel food aspects, we, we we finally have it on the horizon that that insects uh, will be legal uh, to um, to feed humans as well.
0: I, wanted to, uh, well. I wanted to get back into the consumer area in, in a little while, because I do think it's, it's fascinating. But as you say, the, the European Commission has just greenlit the, the mealworm for, for human consumption as, as well. This is part of the EU's new novel food regulation. Right now, do you feel that to further develop your business and, and expand this in Europe, um, is the current regulatory environment sufficient or is there things that you would like to, to see changed?
1: Yeah, so from, the, um, from an animal feed perspective, we are waiting on a European level for um, the markets for uh, poultry feed and, and pig feed to open up. So it is still not allowed to sell insect protein powder into these markets. It's not considered safe yet. And once these markets open, which we know are being discussed right now and we know this is on the horizon then of course major markets are going to open so i think yes on the regulatory end there are still a lot of things to do the fish feed market the pet food market those are big markets but it will be a real game changer once insects can be fed to poultry and and pigs as well the the second aspect to it is that that there is a regulatory hurdle in terms of the substrates that we are Um, allowed to feed to insects, so we fall into the same regulatory framework as other livestock. So in general, we can only feed uh, substrates to insects that can also be fed to other uh, livestock. So obviously, as you can imagine, this this creates like a sort of a competition um, because animal feed can then be sold into different markets. The big potential of insects is that they can digest lower-value ingredients, make high-value proteins from it, and they can also digest to a certain extent uh, substrates that might not be as safe to feed to other uh,
0: other livestock. Well, this brings me to to an interesting sort of follow-up. I, I was, when I was doing my research for this, I saw that among the things you've done is a uh, pilot project with little supermarkets to turn food waste into animal proteins th- through the use of insects. I was wondering, what are the lessons you've learned from from doing that project is that something that can be replicated at scale using supermarket food waste through insects to create more protein
1: Um, yeah so this project was really um, about the fact that um, the the supermarket and many retail chains right now um, they have not um, separated their bakery waste specifically from the rest of the organic waste so vegetable and fruit waste was being put together with uh, bakery waste. And then this created uh, something that could not be safely used as an animal feed. So what we did was we worked towards a separation. And actually in Austria nationwide, they then introduced as a result from uh, from our project, the nationwide separation of bakery waste from other organic waste streams. And therefore it became safe for us to feed bakery waste Um, or old bakery to insects in order to use them as both livestock feed but also uh, human food.
0: I just wanted to ask one more question about the regulatory uh, use. You've said that you are registered as a farm. Are you able to receive, if you're you're growing insects, can you receive uh, subsidies under the Common Agricultural Policy?
1: That is a very good question, one that I ask myself. (laughs) So far, we have not received any subsidies under, like, as a farming operation. We have received um, other national subsidies and uh, a European, a big European grant funding from the EIC, from the European uh, Innovation Council we just closed this recently um so as a business uh, we have received subsidies not as a farm yet um, but we we are looking into into those options right now
0: i wanted to turn now from sort of the the more industrial side of things to the more at home consumer educational farms uh one of the things that you've done is the this is the live in farms part where you've started a, a kickstarter for people to grow insects at home for consumption now what is what is your expectation for, for people to, to get one of these home insect farms out of the outside those who are essentially what I like to call pre interested, i.e. people who who for some reason are already in this eating insect mindset?
1: right well, um, so on the Kickstarter back then it w- it was in fact really more than eight hundred people from around the world that pledged the kickstarter, and as a a kickstarter campaign is a is in, is effectively a pre order campaign so you you convince people to support you in in developing your project and in pre ordering it and as a reward for their pledge for their donation, um, they receive a product and um uh, most of those customers that have pledged in the first campaign. They were not in any way, you know, working or already interested in the insect field, but they were really interested in the aspects of sustainability, of sustainable eating, of sustainable living. That's really the type of of community that we were building. And now that we're transitioning into education, we brought out a second model um, of our Hive home that that we promoted back then. It's called Hive Explorer, so it's a much smaller model, specifically framed towards education. We developed a curriculum over 13 lessons that go through various aspects of sustainability, those are really the, the our community there is really willing to learn more about how they can lead a more sustainable lifestyle.
0: Okay, so I think I was wondering if you could sort of talk me through the steps for a, a consumer at home for hat, who has one of these kits. Talk me through how I go from my drawer full of mealworms. How do I turn it into to food? What kind of steps is it? Is it just like normal cooking?
1: Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, first of all, um, I have to say that um. The goal of um, of this home mealworm farm that that we're currently distributing is, as I mentioned, rather education uh, than the cooking part of it. So there are is uh, much less of an amount that you can harvest from that unit as opposed to uh, our bigger unit that we sold before. However, in any case, um, uh, a lot of people still use use the worms that they grow for cooking and the process for preparing them. Uh, in order to do so is to take them out of their tray. So they're in a sort of a sieving tray. So they're already kind of passively sieved. Um, you shake them a little bit again so that the uh, um, uh, fine dirt goes off. It's it's like the, the, the manure of the mealworms can be harvested as a fertilizer. And it's a, like dry sand that stays in the bottom tray. And you harvest them in the top tray. Um, and then you put them into the freezer. That's, um, that's the most humane way um, to put them to sleep. And then after a couple of hours uh, when they're frozen, you can then boil them, uh, cook them, fry them, dry them in the oven, for example, and grind them down to a powder. Um, there's really a variety of, of, of ways how you can prepare them afterwards.
0: This is an, it just brings me neatly on to my next question. You say you, you freeze them and then you sort of humanely dispatch them. Mm-hmm. Is there a conversation going on? Because we talk a lot, certainly when we talk about vegetarianism, I think a lot of people do that also for ethical and moral reasons about the consumption of, of animals. What do you consider it, about the ethics of eating insects? Is it is it something different from, from eating cows and chickens to you? Or... or how does that what what's the ethical side of it
1: yeah i mean i mean that's a very interesting a very a very important question indeed um we ha- have to remind ourselves of course that uh, insects are living organisms they are animals they're not plants they're not lifeless matter um we are dealing with animals here and they have to be treated ethically and they have to be treated with respect um and we have to be mindful of their well-being as well Um, so there, there are questions from, from our community or from potential customers coming up over and over again saying, well, I'm a, I'm vegan or I'm vegetarian. Can I eat insects? Is that suitable for me? And then we always have to say that, um, well, it is not vegetarian. It's not definitely not vegan. Um, it is an animal that you're eating and, um, um, and we have found out that actually quite a lot of customers that are vegan or are vegetarian can actually live with the fact of eating insects. Um, they cannot live with the fact eating other animals, but they can eating insects, um, often for sustainability reasons, um, because they see that there is, is a reason why insect eating makes sense over eating or farming um, other types of livestock. And then, of course, there is also an ethical con- consideration which is more of a sensitive issue, I think. We know that um, insects are invertebrates. Um, They're not mammals. They have a very different kind of biological system. Um, They experience pain in a very different way. They do not have central nervous systems. They don't have a central brain where pain gets processed in a similar way as, as in other animals. So, um, they are very different from our, from, from our systems, and um, that's what makes it easier for, for a lot of people to accept eating insects over other livestock. However, um, I have to say that, of course, this is still ongoing research, and we have to be very mindful of um, always updating ourselves of, um, you know, what is currently um, the status of information that we have on, on how pain uh, works. Uh, in insects, um, in addition, maybe what I can say is that that uh, insects also have a very, very different, very different needs. So, as you know, cattle or pigs, they need space to roam around. They need a, they need companions. They need, uh, um, they need space and fresh air. Um, insects love to live in dense spaces they actually like to live in uh in what we would call like mass farming they need other insects to touch their bodies in order to develop their skins so you need a certain density of of farming insects in order for them to even thrive so the framework of in, of farming insects industrially as opposed to other animals it's a very different ball game here that we're talking about.
0: This brings me, well, we're coming up to the uh, to the end of the podcast. But before I ask you the, the final question, I just wanted to bring up one last thing. When I was doing my reading around the issues of eating insects and, and looking at your company and others, the the selling point uh, often seems to be about low emissions, sustainability, low impact on the environment, etc. But we've seen these sorts of selling points before, low carbon, more sustainable, and it's never not many of these things really break through in the mainstream. So how how are we going to make these insect proteins? How how are we going to make them break through on the on the open consumer market?
1: The breakthrough is in in the mainstream. A breakthrough is often considered something that happens overnight because uh, because maybe a large part of the consumers are in the unknown about something for a very long time and then suddenly it seems to be there everywhere. Uh, while, in fact, a lot of the food, foods that we see around, that we have, that we consume on a daily basis, they have been in the works for a really long time. If we only think of tofu, uh, of soy-based products, um, it has been a niche for a very, very long time and only maybe for 20 years, even if you consider first movements in the US that that promoted it uh, very publicly then only in the in the last couple of years has it really become a, a mainstream product that is very widely accepted we shouldn't be too illusional that um, that something like insects will break through, you know, also overnight. No, it takes a lot of time, but it has changed already tremendously since I first started to work um, with insects in 2012, 2013, where literally no one at an event where I asked, have you eaten insects before? almost no one raised their hands, Um, that now, like seven years later, you can hardly find people who have not tried it yet or who have not at least read about it or heard about it. So it does take a long time until it trickles down to every single person and becomes something we call mainstream. Um, But it will eventually happen. Like one aspect is that it just takes time. And the second aspect is that it takes the right products Right now, I think it it hasn't been the case yet. There has been a lot of developments, but we have not yet kind of reached that level where something is really addictive, you know, so that you want to have it again. Also, um, in order to get into the mainstream, it has to be accepted as an ingredient. Um, So something that is on the ingredients list but might not be necessarily promoted as the insect bar, you know, no, it's just, it's a protein bar. Based on insects, maybe, or it's a, or it's a protein product that includes this animal insect protein um, that is very beneficial for your for your body and has very functional benefits. And with the EU giving the green light to mealworms as an as a human food ingredient, there is a huge a major step uh, is being done um, towards that direction. Once this is finally absolutely through and legal, then we can go ahead and actually. Use it as an ingredient in applications where it won't have the common ick factor anymore
0: um, this brings us to the the end of the podcast and we always ask the the same question of everybody who comes on and I will ask the same to you which is if you could give one answer to make the food system more sustainable more climate friendly more environmentally friendly what would it be and i'm going to take Eat more insects uh, off the table because that's what we've just. <laughs>
1: right, I would say. I would say if I have to focus on a one single thing, then it's try to reduce food waste in the first place.
0: Uh, Katharina Unger, founder of Live in Studios and Live in Farms. Thank you very much for joining Food Systems today.
1: Thank you very much for talking to me, Robert. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as ours on Twitter, at forumfrag for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day.